Let's begin by going to our Lord in prayer. Our Father, we give you glory, because indeed, as the song says, your fields are white unto heart. We as your people are called now to, to go out and labor. And that is our subject for today. How do we labor rightly with our gifts? Father, thank you already for the proclamation of your word through the singing. Thank you already for your proclamation through the liturgy. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for being present. We pray that you might illuminate our hearts and minds now. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Bless the reading of your word and bless the proclamation of it. We thank you and praise you now in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen and amen. Um, before I read the word, I want to acknowledge something. I, I often thought that Thanksgiving, during Thanksgiving, everyone was, you know, it was a happy, festive time for everybody. And a few years ago, I was reminded that for many of you, it won't be. For many of you, it actually will be um, a very difficult time being with family for a variety of reasons. I want you to know that I'll be praying for you, and I'll be lamenting for you. Um, God in his providence has set aside these times for us as a family to get together and enjoy and love one another, and I know for many of you that's not your reality. So just know that your pastor will be praying for you and praying that the Holy Spirit gives you the grace to endure whatever situation you find yourself in, if it is not the most optimal. Um, with that said, let us now give our attention to the Word of God, Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 1 through 16, as we look at part 2 of what it means to be in unity as a body in Christ. Hear now the Word of our Lord. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. 
Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Well, all flesh is as grass and the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord shall endure forever. This is the word that will be taught unto you. Amen and amen. Let us go to our Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much that this is your word and these are your people. It is my prayer that you might unite them together now for your glory. May we walk out knowing that we have been with Jesus and heard his voice. And may we all become better servants of him. And I pray for the one that does not know you as Lord and personal Savior. May they see the beauty and glory of Christ and turn to him in full trust and obedience so that they might truly taste and see that he is good. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, before I begin, Noah, I'm going to ask you to turn my volume down. For those of you that are visiting and are unaware, I tend to get loud. It, you know, it's not something that I do on purpose. It's just something that happens. Uh, in the morning, my wife always tells me she wishes she has a knob to turn me down just a little bit, because when I get up in the morning, that's when I'm at my freshest, and I want to talk about everything else under the sun, and I do it very loudly. So forgive me for that. Um, last week, we looked at Christian unity in general, and today we'll look at Christian unity in, uh, specifically. And here's the big takeaway, in case I missed a give, I'm, I, did, I don't give it at the end. So here's the big takeaway of the sermon. Are you ready? Don't check out after I give this to you, please. I'm just setting it up, and then I'm going to tell you what I told you, and then I'm going to end by telling you what I already told you. That's, that's what they taught us, and so that's what I'm going to do. So here's the big takeaway of the sermon. Paul is saying that for all, in order for the church to maintain its unity, we have to exercise our gifts. God has given all of us gifts, and it is this beautiful, healthy codependency that we have through the giving of the gifts that unite us all together. That's the point of this text. That's, that's why, and it actually makes sense. If you, if you have a church with a bunch of Greeks, you know, um, Gentiles, and a bunch of Jews, they don't know each other, they don't trust one another, and so the Holy Spirit gave them all gifts so that they could be united with one another, and that's the same thing here. All of us are different in this building. Um, we all come to the same church, and so the Holy Spirit gave us all unique gifts to unite us all together so that we'll need one another. That's the whole purpose of the gifts, right? Everybody with me? That's the purpose of the gifts. And so what I want to do over the next few moments is I want to look at the gift giver, I want to look at the gifts themselves, and then I want to look at the purpose of the gifts. And I'll try to tie it all together. That's, that's the way we're going to go today. But first of all, the gift giver. Well, it's obvious from this text that the gift giver is Christ. Notice with me in verse number seven. It says, but grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. So these gifts belong to Christ. And at the point of salvation, each one of you got a gift. Isn't that exciting? It's like, it's like a spiritual superpower. In some sense, we're all the Justice League, you know, all, all different, all have these different gifts, and we are supposed to go out and destroy Thanos or 
however that is, right? Uh, the devil uh, is, is the equivalent to Thanos, right? That's how the gifts work. Now, when Christ, I know I messed that up. I'm not like, you know, like forgive your past. I don't know anything about that stuff. I'm not even going to pretend like I know. I don't know if Thanos and the Justice League go together, but you'll, you'll figure that out for yourselves, right? So here's the point that I want to make, though. Christ gave you these gifts, and the gifts function in unique ways. And you see that in the passage. The first is this. The gifts are liberating gifts. Um, look at verse number 8 through 10. Now, these are some of the most enigmatic verses in the New Testament. They, they're quoting Psalm 68. And if we had time, I would go through how enigmatic it is, but I'm not going to bore you. But what I am going to tell you is at the heart of this text, and if you want to understand this very, very difficult text even more, go to Revelation chapter 1, verse 12 through 16. And in Revelation chapter 1, verse 12 through 16, is this glorious picture of the risen Christ, and he's standing in the midst of the lampstand, which is the church. And I mean, he's awesome. He has power, he has might, and then he gives all of these gifts to the church. That's what's behind this imagery. That Christ gave us all a gifts, and, and one of the gifts that he gives us, or what the type of gifts that he gives us, is liberating. And you say, Pastor, where did you get that from? Notice with me in verse number 8. It says, therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led host of captives and gave gifts to men. So underline the whole concept of captives. What were we captive to? We were captive to the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so what do the gifts do? Well, the gifts liberate us. Let me explain it a little bit like this. If you are in here today and you have the gift of teaching, some of you have the gift of teaching, praise God. I'm probably one of those people that have that gift, right? What does the gift of teaching do? Well, the gift of teaching liberates people from spiritual ignorance. So as you exercise the gift of teaching, you liberate people from spiritual ignorance. What about the gift of mercy? Some of you have the gift of mercy. Praise God for you. The gift of mercy has the unique ability to liberate people from their suffering. There's some of you inside here, you have the gift of giving, right? Now notice it's the gift of giving, not of earning. We get that mixed up. We think only rich people are supposed to have the gift of giving, but that's not the case because it doesn't say you have the gift of earning. Now some of you have the natural ability to earn a bunch of money and praise God for that, but you might not have the gift of giving. But those that have the gift of giving liberate people from want. Same thing from service. You might have the gift of service. I think more people have the gift of service than any other gift. Now, the people that have the gift of service, what do they do? They liberate people from burden. See, the gifts themselves are liberating gifts. And if you have a gift and you know what that gift is, now some of us don't know what our gift is, and that's okay. We're going to get there. But there are some of you, you know your gift. I remember when I first became a Christian and I went to bed that night and I woke up and I picked up my Bible the next day and I started reading my Bible. Immediately I wrote what I now know to be a sermon. I knew nothing about writing sermons. I knew nothing about the Word of God. But there was something in me that just said, hey, I see this passage and I see these connections and I started doing that. So all of these things work like that. Some of you know your gifts. And you're supposed to use your gifts to liberate others. So that's one aspect of it. Now, the second thing, and there's so much more, but I'm only going to limit it to two. The second thing is this. The gifts are also revealing gifts. 
Say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Notice with me in verse number 9 and 10, or specifically verse number 10. He says, he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Now, underline that word, fill all things. What does that mean? It means literally to show and to demonstrate. That's what it means. So your gifts, Christ designed your gifts to show and reveal the heart of God. And when, you, when you're in the church and you're serving in the church and you exercise your gift within the life of the church, it reveals something about the heart of God. Let me say it like this. There are some of you that have the gift of evangelism. When you speak to people about God, they listen and, and, and they end up coming to know Christ. That's a unique gift that you have. Well, what does that gift reveal about the heart of God? That God loves sinners. And he desires sinners to come into his kingdom. As 2 Peter 3.9 says, that Jesus Christ is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. How do we know this to be the case? Because of the gift of evangelism, it reveals the heart of God toward sinners. What about the gift of exhortation? Many of you inside here today have the gift of exhortation. This gift to encourage people who are discouraged. Well, one of the things that gift reveals to the people, to all of us, is God cares about those who are discouraged and depressed. And he has given you a gift to reveal the heart of God that God doesn't want us to live in discouragement and depression. And so that's what these gifts um, reveal in terms, of, in terms of Christ giving us these gifts. First of all, they're important because they reveal the heart of God. And second of, God, they, uh, second of all, they liberate us. They liberate us from whatever suffering and pain and malady that we have. Now, let's look at the gifts themselves. Notice with me in verse number 11. He says, and he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Now, these gifts in and of themselves are gifts of leadership. God uses these gifts within the life of the church. But there's a distinction to be made about the office and the gift. And we don't have time to get in there, but these gifts are separate from the office. Now, by the way, if you go to 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, you'll see all the gifts represented there. They're, these are not all the gifts. But what's important for you to understand that all of these gifts are given to the body of Christ, that all of these are for you, that one of us have these gifts in some small measure. And that's important for us to get because God said in Joel 2, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, men, women, young and old. Even the youngest Christian in here has a gift from God that God calls them to use and exercise within the life of the church. Praise God for that. No one should feel insignificant in the kingdom of God because all of you have been given a gift by the holy God. Now, notice something else about these gifts. These gifts are diverse and unique. Now, what do I mean by diverse and unique? Notice all of them are different and all of them serve a different function. And the purpose of that is simply this. Your gift is uniquely crafted to who you are because there are certain people that only you can reach with your gift. Think about that for a moment. Those of you that have the gift of mercy, there are certain people that God has designed you for to be able to help. And so you have a unique gift, different from me. There are certain people 
I won't be able to reach through preaching and teaching. There's others of you that have gifts of teaching and preaching. You'll be able to, to meet those needs of the people. That's why we have a plurality of elders here at CVBC. I, I wasn't given uh, the gift to reach everybody. I know that. That's, that. I am limited in that way. But there are many people in here through your gift of mercy, through your gift of giving, through your gift of teaching, through your gift of exhortation, can reach others for the kingdom. That's the glorious aspect of, of being a part of God's kingdom. Notice these gifts also work in tandem. What do I mean by tandem? Well, the people who are gifted in mercy need the people who are giving. Because whose money are they going to use in order to be merciful with, right? The people who are teachers, we need servants. We need people to listen to us. Because if you're teaching and nobody's listening, then there's no teaching going on, right? You need both. The evangelist needs the administrators. There are some of you, in fact, several of you inside here that are gifted at administration. And you help all of us stay on task. Now, let me say this, and this is very important. Because all of us, because our gifts work in tandem, it's very important we understand that all of our gifts are equal before the sight of the Lord. One of the problems that happened in the church at Corinth is they began to prize one gift over the other. Let me explain it like this. There are some of you that have the gift of evangelism, and that's your passion. But you look at everybody else who doesn't have the gift of evangelism as if they're not right with God because they don't have your gift of evangelism. That's not the case. You have the gift and you exercise the gift and we all participate in that. Absolutely we do. But it's not the case that your gift of evangelism is more important than somebody else's gift. Same thing with people who do administration. They might think, well, it's very important. We need to order everything. That is true. But your gift is not more important than the gift of mercy. All of our gifts work together for the glory of God. Here is something else you need to understand. Not everyone has the same potency as gifts. Notice with me in verse number 7. In verse number 7 it says, But grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. And underline the word measure, and here's what that means. I know some people, if we had a scale of 1 to 10, and they're teachers, and some of them are right inside here, there are 10 on that scale. They're, they are amazing teachers, and when they speak, everybody understands and everybody gets exactly what they're saying. But then there's some of us, we don't have the gift of, of potency up to a 10. And so what begins to happen? We begin to praise those people that have the gift of 10, but then say all the other people that have maybe the gift of five or six, they're not as good. Now look, that teaching is poisonous. And again, we see it in the church at Corinth. Imagine those of us that have children, right? And we go to our children's, our children says, hey, you know what? I'm playing a basketball game. And we said, you know what? Because it's not an NBA game and you're not, you'll never be LeBron James, I'm not going to go watch you play. Well, it's destructive. You understand that your children have a certain level of competency that they're exercising, that God has meted out to them. So you praise God for that. So it's the case even in the life of the church. Look, there's some of us that are better at certain things than others. There's a, there's a certain potency to our gift that's not present elsewhere. Don't despise the potency that your brother and sister have that God has given them in favor of others who might have it in greater potency. That's what kills the church. 
Paul says they that compare themselves to themselves are what? Unwise. It's unwise to look at others, the potency of others' gifts and praise that. But your brother who has a lesser potency, you don't praise and thank God for his gifts as well. Remember, it is God who meets out the potency, not us. And we can cause tremendous pain and hurt within the life of the church when we do that. All right, here's something else. Your gifts ought to be exercised, uh, your spiritual gifts ought to be exercised within the context of the fruit of the Spirit. Now, keep in mind this. This is, the, this is key. It is very dangerous to try and exercise your spiritual gift and you do not have the gifts of the Spirit within you. Because it is the gifts of the Spirit, right? It is the, spirit, the, the gifts of the Spirit and the spiritual gifts that work together to be a blessing to God, God's people. And for someone like me as the pastor, it's very easy to come up here and exercise my spiritual gift and not have the gifts of the Spirit fully operational inside of me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so forth. The last thing I'll say on this matter is simply this. The gifts of the Spirit are separated from your natural ability. And this is another key aspect as well. There's some of you that are excellent musicians, but playing music is not a gift of the Spirit. Now, you exercise that gift of the Spirit if you're an excellent teacher or you're an excellent servant, and that's great. But that's separate. And there's some people that I know that have amazing, have the natural ability to exhort other people. One of them is David Goggins. Anyone a David Goggins fan here? Who's going to carry the boat? Man, that guy is naturally gifted at exhorting other people. But you know what? That's not a gift of the Spirit. When you have the gift of the Holy Spirit, and this is what makes the gifts of the Holy Spirit so unique, God uniquely designs them to be a blessing to other people within the life of the church. And that's what causes the body and so forth to be built up. Now, let's look at, uh, we've moved on from that. Now let's look at the purpose of the gift. Notice in with me in verse number 12, here's what Paul says. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body. Now underline the word equipped. You'll notice in verse number 12, the word equipped, and then if you drop down, I think it's to verse number 16, there's, it, it's used again, that, that by every joint with which it is equipped. Now the word for equipped in verse number 12 is different from the, ver, from the word equipped in verse number 16, and here's the major difference. The one in verse number 12 is the word, uh, is, the, is a medical term. And Paul uses it within the context of the body to mean to be like broken or taken out of joint. And here's why that's important. I know exactly what Paul is saying here. Um, several, about a year or two ago, I had my middle finger out of joint. Now, I know this isn't my middle finger, but I'm not allowed to lift my middle finger up in the context of the church, okay? So my middle finger was out of joint. I fell down, and when I woke up, my middle finger was like this. It was gruesome. And in an instant, I grabbed my middle finger and I put it back in the joint. And then I started doing this and I was like, oh, that feels good. I did. got back in the joint, right? Now, here's the point that Paul is making. I don't want you to miss this. Paul is saying this. Within the context of the church, we get out of joint. We do. 
We get out of joint in actually different ways. Some of us get out of joint because of false doctrine. We get out of joint because we get tired. Maybe we need a sabbatical. We get out of joint because we don't, people aren't mobilized for, for the work of the ministry and serve. We get out of joint because of factions within the life of the church. We get out of joint for all sorts of reasons, Paul says. And the purpose of the leaders within the church, the purpose of the people, all of us in the church, is to get us back into joint so that we're working properly. One of the things, and again, I, I refer you back to uh, the book of, of Corinthians in 1 Corinthians. You saw a church that was disjointed, constantly fighting among one another, arguing with one another. And the way to get the church back into joint is when we exercise our gifts together so that we can work properly with one another. Beloved, what keeps the church in joint is when the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, people that do mercy, people that serve, people that give, all of us exercise our gifts for the glory of God, and in doing so, we get put back into joint. Now, I want to end by talking about something else that Paul said that I think is pretty powerful. Ultimately, what keeps us in joint is what Paul says in verse number 15, and I refer it back to you. He says that when we're in joint, we're mature, we grow, but an important aspect of keeping us in joint is speaking the truth in love. Now, what does he mean by that? Here's what he means by that. Since you and I are constantly out of joint, there's always something going on in the church that, that tends to separate us on divide, or divide us. What Paul is calling for us to do here is to speak the truth to one another in a loving way to get us back in the joint. That's part of what my responsibility is, is to encourage the church to get back to doing what Christ has called us to do. And in doing that, Paul says, when you speak the truth in love, you end up having a stronger body. Now, why is this so important? Here's why, and I'll end with this. Think about Christ, who is the personification of truth and love. He is the Logos. He's the one that came and died for our sins and demonstrated what true love looks like within the context of the body. And it's through the truth of Christ, through the message of the gospel, that his church is firm, that his church is built up and rooted together. And perhaps there are several of you inside here today that are out of joint. Perhaps you are hurt, tired, confused, frustrated about where your life is right now. And I want to encourage you, get back into joint. Imagine for a moment when I dislocated my finger, I said, you know what? I'm just going to leave my finger like that because there's nothing I could do. That'd be foolish. Or imagine if I put my finger back in place and I said, you know what? That really hurt, so I'm never going to use my hand again. You would say, Pastor Dennis, that's foolish. Equally as foolish is when you and I, because we get hurt or we get out of joint, never use our gifts to serve the Lord anymore. The reality of Scripture and what God, Christ is calling us to is this. We need to pray through the power of the Holy Spirit that God gives us the unction and the wisdom 
to exercise our gifts within the context of the local church because all of us are needed. The work is great. And we all need to be a part of the work in order to carry on the message and, and, and the glory of God. Now, I also know that there's some of you inside here today, you've been exercising your gifts and you're tired. We, um, within the context of our elders, we give our elders sabbatical. And maybe some of you need to go on a sabbatical for a season. But come back. Come back and serve the church. There's some of you, you say, Pastor Dennis, I don't know what my spiritual gift is. I, I don't know how I'm supposed to serve the Lord. Look, there's some of you who may never know your spiritual gift, but you still have to serve. Just serve. Just do something within the life of the church. And God, through his power, will serve you, will show you exactly what you're called to do. Some of you, this might not be a season. You're, you're raising little children or there's a lot of things going on in your life. I understand that. But ask the Lord to help you to figure out what can I be doing within the life of the church to be a blessing to the life in the church. Don't ever sit down and say, I don't know what to do, and therefore you're paralyzed. God doesn't want you to live in paralysis. He wants you to be a part of a healthy, flowing, and blessed body. And the last thing I will say is simply this. When you look at a church that's vibrant and that's serving and that the Holy Spirit is, is at work, it is the greatest witness to the world. When people hear of our love, when people hear all of us banding together to serve um, Villa Way or, or to serve in the community with the schools or people see us loving and serving people in our community, that's a powerful apologetic to the world. That there's a group of people here in Chattanooga Valley that are committed to the work of Christ and doing the work of Christ for the glory of God. People are drawn to that and rightfully so because they are being drawn by the power of Christ through his gifts, not ours. That's why we don't hold these things pridefully. They belong to Christ, and when we use them, they bring people to Christ to give him glory. Father, we thank you so much for the message of your word, and we thank you for the power of your word as evidence in the gospel. Lord, it is the case that all of us have a gift, and I know, Father, that uh, for many of us, we might not know what that is, for many of us, it might be difficult for us to um, exercise those gifts, but nonetheless, we praise you and thank you for them. Give us the wisdom that we need and give us the unction that we need to put these gifts into practice. Bless us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.